Hi, thanks for joining us on today's NCMI podcast. My name is Ryan Peter. How do we make sure that the way we employ media and arts in the church is effective for the gospel and reflects the creative heart of God? How should we prioritize when we use social media or other forms of media in our churches? How do we build media teams? In today's podcast, we'll be looking at this topic, which was covered at a church planters and lead elders training week. Cool. So this session is about media and arts. And uh, we are on page 154 of your uh, Church Planners and Lead Elders Manual. I am going to go through those notes at first. So if you have them, you can open them up and uh, I'll explain and go through some of them. I'll just give you a bit of a brief uh, background, just for some context, so you understand from the context I'm speaking from when I talk about media and arts. Um, I've been involved in music uh, since I was a teenager. I'm now 42. Uh, so in churches... I've been involved in music. I had uh, I spent some time in radio when I was quite young. I have a background in journalism and um, and uh, public relations. I'm a writer by trade. I feel that God does call scribes. If you know that Peter and uh, Paul in particular, they make mention of Tertius and Silas as scribes. We even looked at how Luke was also a doctor and also a scribe. Um, and I find that a very interesting concept because when you think of the New Testament, it was a team effort. Paul brought scribes. He, he, he used Silas, he used Tertius as part of his team. And a, a writer, I know how we generally work together with others. We do some editing, we do some change, we move content around. And no doubt that's how it was uh, with Paul's scribes. So his letters were team efforts. And my personal um, little theory about Hebrews is it was a team effort. That's why it sounds sometimes like Paul, sometimes guys think maybe it was Barnabas, no one seems to know. And I think it's a team effort. Um, so you can put that in your pipe and smoke it and think about that. And for the last 10 years, I have worked at Cornerstone. I was first brought on staff as a full-time deacon to work in our communications and media and all that kind of stuff. And I've been an elder for the last, I think, three years ordained as an elder, and Shane, my wife, and I would like to go plant. So that gives you a context from what I'm speaking about. Some of the things I'm going to speak about today, you will have your own opinions on. I like to give the context so you understand why I'm going to say some of the things I'm going to say, and then you can decide what you think about that. All right, so on page 154, we just want to clarify definitions. Um, Actually, it's on page 155. What do we mean by media? So what am I meaning this morning when I talk about media? So it's a catch-all term for any visual element or aesthetics or resource of your church that might incorporate the use of slides or video in your preaching or teaching, uh, development of resources like study resources or books, the decor and setup of your church venue, as well as your online presence, your social media accounts, that kind of stuff. Um, as well as the um, worship arts. I like the phrase worship arts. It kind of shows us how God gave us arts as a way to inspire us, and give us imagination in worship towards Him. And then the development of the arts in your church. And this is something that I think is important. How, how are you thinking about the artists in your church? You know, you've got to think about your business leaders. You're going to think about all these people. How are you also going to engage those guys who are artists in the church? And that can be a bit of a challenge for you, especially if you yourself are not artistically minded. And these guys sometimes confuse you. 
They're a little bit weird. They're a little bit eccentric. You know, they don't answer their phone at 10 in the morning. They're still sleeping, but they're working at 3 in the, in the morning kind of guys. You know, they can be a bit weird. And you need to think, how are you going to disciple them and how are you going to develop them and help them develop their call as their pastor, as their elder, as their leader? So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to go through a couple of practical things to think about, and then I want to get into a bit of theology, actually, in terms of thinking about, the, the, uh, thinking about art and creativity. All right, so why should you use media? Now, what I want to do is I want to be careful and make sure that I'm not going to complicate things for you. Right, Chris just came and gave us this almost a very freeing sort of message about how this thing's simple, man. You just go and plant. God calls you, you go do it. We'll work it out. It's not too complicated. But of course, there are things we have all throughout this week had to think about and learn and, and consider. So when I go through this, my heart is to actually simplify it for you and give you all the things to think about. You need to take that and you need to decide, all right, what am I going to do with this and how do I keep the main thing, the main thing, Jesus and his kingdom. So why should we use media or should we even use media? Well, first thing is media is a communications tool that will enhance what it is that you do. Media is also a tool to help you develop the culture of your church. You see, a lack of using media will say something about your church, all right? And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but if I don't use media, I'm saying something about who I am or who this church is. Or if I use a lot of media, I'm saying something about who this church is. And as we go now, I will unpack that. Media serves your preaching, it does not replace your preaching. All right? And this should set you free a little bit. There are some big churches in this world that know how to produce content. And content they produce. And everyone loves these guys. And they go to their websites, the YouTube channel. And oh, did you watch our live stream? No, look, I actually watched this big church's live stream because it was just this amazing production. All right? And, and, and in a sense, I appreciate those big churches in the, in the way in which they do take art seriously and they try and create these are wonderful, you know, artistic moments with their worship and they've got guys who write great songs and all that kind of stuff. But in, in another sense, it could put us under pressure to think, unless we're doing that, we, we haven't made it yet as a church until our Sunday morning is this epic thing, right? But a lot of those churches and, uh, do struggle actually to create community because there's so many bells and whistles that need to be attended to even on their Sunday mornings. So that's something to think about. So media serves your preaching, it does not replace it. The Word of God has power on its own, Romans 10, Romans 10 verse 17. The word, it is hearing with faith, hearing the Word that produces faith in our lives. The Word of God is powerful. The message of Jesus is powerful, whether it has a million lights attached to it and these beautiful settings and beautiful songs, or whether it's you stuttering and preaching it, because it is powerful on its own. And media serves the church. The church does not serve the media. Right? It's like the Sabbath, right? The Sabbath was made for man, not the man for Sabbath. Sometimes we get these, this very confused. We build some stuff and, uh, for our church and then we begin to serve it. We begin to serve the systems that were meant to serve us. 
Right, so the first thing I want to say, if you see also on page 154, I know just going back there just quickly, many church planners and leaders look at the big churches and try and copy what they do in their context. You're in a totally different context. But you see these churches and you try and copy it and put it in your context. We can't do that. We've got to figure out our context. And even when you're thinking about the artists in your context, you might see some big churches doing some cool stuff, but even the creativity around what they're doing is in a context. You're going to get some different guys in your context. Your, your city or your town will have a different style to it, a different feel to it, and the kind of creative stuff that they will be interested in or that might draw people towards your church won't necessarily look the same as um, other churches of the world. So you work with who God has given you. Don't compare yourself or get jealous about who God gives others. But who God has given you, that's who God has given you. That's who you work with. That's who you're leading. That's who you are developing. Right, so the first thing to do when we're thinking about media, you see in page 155, is to examine your objectives. To decide to use social media because everyone else is doing it, is a really bad reason to use social media, right? Oh, I need people to, sometimes we say, please just, I've had some guys, I just need to get on social media so guys can know where I am. Well, that's okay, okay, but is it, is it really going to serve you if that's all you're going to use it for? You've got to consider what your objectives are and what it is that you want to get out of it. You need to be clear about why you want to use it. And once you know the why, you will know how a lot easier. right? You, you'll be able to listen to the marketing guys or the church growth guys, whoever you want to listen to, and be able to discern what it is you should do rather than feel this pressure that you must do all the things that they think say you should do. So the first thing you have to understand is that media always communicates values. It's a values-first sort of mindset you have to think about. So if your social media, for example, always has pictures of the band, and the preacher, and the cool lighting, or I know you're church planning, you might not necessarily have those things, but just think about this. If the social media always has pictures of the band, the cool lighting, and the preacher, and the latest event, what you're broadcasting, what you're saying to those perhaps looking at that social media is what you value is cool bands, cool music, the preacher, and cool lighting. The visual element that you put on social media or anywhere in your church communicates the value of your church. Now, there's nothing wrong with having pictures of the band and that kind of stuff, but you've got to think about if that's all you're ever doing, you're saying what matters to us most is the preacher. All of our photos on social media about the preacher. As a church, the preacher is the big deal. And that will, whether you don't have to say it, you might say the most amazing things, but by what you're projecting, you are saying it. People might not even realize that that's the messaging they're receiving, but it begins to develop a culture in your church and through your church, even to others. So what you consistently emphasize visually is what you communicate as important. So your primary objective then would be firstly to communicate who you really are. I mean, think about it. If you stylize your venue like a movie theater, will you be surprised when people come, they watch, they leave? Should that surprise you? 
No, it shouldn't surprise you. That's what you communicated by the way you set things up. So your primary objective must be to communicate who you really are. So think about just, yes, just some ideas um, that the manual goes through. You could post pictures on social media or hang pictures up in your venue of the people of your church. That automatically communicates that this is a community where everyone has something to add. Not just the preacher standing up front, but everyone. Something you could do if that's a value of yours, and I encourage it to be a value of yours. That's something you could do in terms of the visual and the aesthetics and the social media. And then maybe they're having coffee together. Maybe you could take pictures of your life group meetings, your small group meetings, have those kind of things regularly up. That communicates that life groups are important to you and that getting together and hanging out and listening to God's word together and working it out and that kind of stuff is important to you as a church. The people of the church are important. Also think of ways in which scripture could be incorporated into your venue and your online presence. All right, perhaps scriptures that line up to your current series, printed on a poster as you walk in or something like that, or online. So that automatically communicates that scripture is important to you as a church, and the season God is taking you through as a church is important. You could post pictures of families online and talk about their breakthroughs. Obviously, there's something to think about around this in terms of what we can post online, uh, the poppy acts. Don't post children, that kind of stuff. Um, and make your website reflect your values. So forgive me, I am at Cornerstone, so I would like to just show you what we did with our website to kind of, um, to kind of illustrate this when the website comes up. What we thought we would do is the website is there to make any new person immediately know who you are but also reiterate who you are to the people of your church that are already involved. You actually have to consistently communicate your values to those in your church. If you don't, it gets lost in the mix. The culture of the church begins to make it develop in its own way. And that's not what you want. So the website, our website there, Cornerstone Church, you'll see that what we did was we tried to distill our values. We had like a list of values of 30 values or something as an eldership that we worked through, we try to distill it to four values. The first one there is that we're one church across Johannesburg. So that immediately tells you, you're visiting, oh, we're one church, there's, there's a number of churches or places across Johannesburg that you can see. And that's an important value we have to continually reiterate as a site church to people who are already in our church, because people forget, oh, there's actually another site in town, and they're a part of us. So it's a value we have to continue to reiterate. Join us on one of our sites, you can click on the thing there, and it takes you to uh, a place to go. So that also communicates the value that we want to see you. We want to know who you are. Okay, Our first value there, loving Jesus. Immediately, even the imagery we tried to use was a bit more urban. So immediately you get, the, get this kind of feel that this is a city church. It's not a suburb church or a rural church, right? Loving Jesus, and then those just go to some details about who Jesus is when you click on them. The next value, loving people. That's a picture of one of our sites in Rosebank. If you look at that picture, you can begin to pick up that it's a diverse community, many different ages, races, hanging out there, having coffee together, and of course, 
under that main value, we don't want to meet in homes. We do prayer. And then you can go and see all of our values when you click on that. Next one. Loving our communities. This is a way of showing people where we are in Johannesburg and the value that we love our communities. And then the next one, the last one, loving nations, where we go and our NCMI partnership. Immediately you know that our, this is what Cornerstone is primarily about. Now this is a tough one to handle sometimes. And I know you're church planning and you're not going to be there yet. But when you start getting busy, everyone's thing wants to be on the website on the front page. All right? Everyone's events, their mom's event, their woman's event, the man's briar, whatever, please put on the website, on the front page so guys can find the details. And we have to constantly fight to say the only things that go on our front page every now and again are like the real big events, which is generally like our kids' event or NCMI, equips, that kind of stuff. So we have a little tab at the top, upcoming events, you have to go look for them. People fight that, but we believe it's a right thing to do because if you have a website and it's just a list of events, what you're saying is what's important to us is our events. And churches can get into that mode where the only thing that is important is the next event. And the events are there to serve us. They're there to serve the discipling process. They're not what a church is. A church is not an events organization sort of station or a venue where we do stuff. Right? There's a lot more going on there. So we're very careful about that. What I also want to say about events is the difference between informal communication and formal communication. So not every event should have formal communication. I stand up here and I invite someone, put on our website, on our social media, hey, this thing is happening. Because some events actually are, by nature, should be informal. Right? Like, for example, a men's briar. A men's bride is a bunch of guys getting together and brying and just getting to know each other, right? There's not, there's not going to speak a teaching or anything like that. Generally speaking, maybe you'll have something around the fire, but you actually want to create an informal atmosphere so guys can relax, chill, and actually open up. If you create through your imagery and through the way in which you communicate that event, through all your formal channels, you automatically create the impression that this is going to be some sort of formalized event when I arrive, I need to maybe dress up or I need to, I can't unwind with the guys. Does so that make sense? So think about that. Sometimes a WhatsApp message, hey, we're having a bride. Like you invite your mates, you invite your friend, hey, come to my place. I don't send him a little graphic, come to my place, a little invitation and all that kind of stuff. Some things, it's nice to have that, come to a party, I have a little graphic. Come to my place to watch TV. I don't send a graphic to my friends. I don't know if you do, but I don't spend 30 minutes making something nice to get them to come watch some football. If, as if I do watch football, I don't. Um, right, so think about how you want to use your informal communications. And, and informal comms are the, probably the most powerful communication tool you have. The ability to pick up the phone and just say to someone, come to the thing that I'm coming to, send them a quick message. And you're going to help your deacons to actually use those tools as well in the life groups or whatever, your small groups, to use those informal comms tools and not constantly rely on the admin administrative part of the church to do that stuff. Why? Because the minute admin is running everything, the church begins to feel as if it manages people. Right? It's not relationships. It's like this, this institution, this organization that now manages everything. And that's not what we are as churches. All right. 
One thing we also did at Cornerstone is we tried to divide our main messaging into three sort of categories. And the one is values, as I've gone through. The next is prophetic. And the next is events. So we've spoken about values. And events generally take care of themselves. They're happening all the time. Okay, you've got to communicate them in, in the ways I've discussed. But often it's the prophetic that you've got to be really prophetic about. Okay. So you might be going through a prophetic season in your church. You've got a preaching series that kind of is fitting into that season. Uh, maybe it's, a, you know, it could be any season. Maybe you're going through a season where God's challenging you on, um, on character or going through a season where you're going through Jacob and God's challenging you on the mission or whatever, right? So you're going through a prophetic season and you've got to think, how do we consistently communicate this prophetic season to the church through the media channels that we use? Because Sundays are not enough. I know we work like six hours to prepare our sermon, get up, we do it 30 minutes, and we think these guys have got it. By Tuesday, they're, in, they're stuck in their work. They've actually forgotten most of what you've said. And you want to maybe somehow use social media so that when they have the break and they go through Instagram or something, they're reminded, oh, this is where we are as a church again. As they go through their feed and your church kind of pops up. So think about how you consistently want to communicate your prophetic season as a church. And so even guys that weren't there on a Sunday, they will also pick up where you are as a church and consistently do that. Now, I want to say this. Some of these ideas I've given you should be able to help you thinking along different lines to the usual or what you see other churches doing on the internet. You want to have your church community with its own identity, right? With media, we like to copy often. Oh, I like what those guys are doing. I'm just going to do that thing. If you do what other guys are doing, you are communicating their values, not yours. So you've got to think about that very carefully. Okay, so is a social media and a website worth it? Page 157. I want to say a website is worth having. It doesn't have to be complicated. It could just be a one page with your values and a little map or details of where you are if you've got a venue, or a number to contact if you're meeting in a home or something like that. So people do look. If you have a venue, I want to suggest it's easy to get onto Google Maps. You literally go to Google Maps, click on where the address is, right-click and say there's something here. Or you can go to a website if you want to write it down called um, Google Business, and it just logs in with your Google account, and you can place your venue there. Um, social media. Now, don't feel under pressure if social media is not your thing. I'm going to go against the grain and say it's useful, but it's not actually required. All right? Find someone to help you when someone comes. Don't worry too much about it until you find someone, unless you like social media and you use it well yourself. I'm going to get to, to the idea. Actually, I'll just put it right here right now. As you're church planting, you might say, now do I have to open up four or five social media accounts and have myself on YouTube and all this stuff. I want to suggest to you the place to start, the content to produce, is the kind of content you like to use. So if you like to listen to podcasts and sermons, then my suggestion to you is to start there. Put a po you don't even have to have planted your church. You can have a podcast online saying, we're a church plant coming, yes, some sermons. But you could do that ahead of time. 
if you like to do that, rather upskill yourself in the thing that you like and enjoy doing because you will invariably do that well or, or, or have a good starting base to do that well as you learn. You can invariably want to invest in that. So if you like video, if you listen to a lot of video preaching on YouTube or something like that, there you can go and you can invest in a good phone, a nice camera, some cheap stuff. You can find plenty of help on the internet for that and just do that. Start with the thing that you like to do because you will more than likely do that well and, um, and not have to stress about it. And, and that, I think that's a good, a good way to do it. And remember, you're not involved in PR and marketing, right? You, I, mean, I mean, I'm saying you are in a sense as, your, as a church planner, but if that's not your background, don't let it stress you out. Do what God's called you to do and find ways in which you can incorporate media into that. Next point. On page 157, professionalism is not the goal. And yeah, I might go against the grain of some of the things that you've perhaps heard out there or maybe you think yourself. The pursuit of excellence is not the goal of the church. Okay, it's good to do everything in an excellent way, but excellence does not mean perfection. All right, we pursue Christ, and if we're faithful in worshiping, proclaiming, presenting, and preaching Christ, excellence in how we do that will follow. If you worry about the professionalism of your media, you can create a culture of professionalism and excellence in your church as if that's the highest value. Does that make sense? You actually don't want professionalism to be the highest value of your church. That says something about you, and that doesn't actually create community very well. And then everything else will become secondary. Jesus, the nations, all that kind of stuff. I went to go see Os Guinness once. If you know Os Guinness, he's a, he's a well-known sort of apologist figure. And he said this. He said, in his study of church history and how churches influence culture, the church has been the most effective when it has pursued faithfulness. And then he said, in those times, it has pursued excellence it has actually been the least effective. Because when you pursue faithfulness, you will get excellence, right? Because when you pursue faithfulness, faithful in what God's calling you to do, you get creativity, firstly. We find new ways to worship God. We have creativity. It's like the God's spirit moves and this thing just bubbles over and excellence comes with that. But if you pursue excellence, excellence is a moving target. It really is. What was excellent five years ago is not excellent today. It's like pursuing fashion. So you've got to constantly change and move with the times because it, what was excellent 15 years ago was maybe a form to fill out. Now people expect something online. Makes sense? So you've got to move. So if you make excellence everything, you will more than likely begin to lag behind. But if you pursue faithfulness, you get creativity. Once you've got creativity happening in your church, you will innovate and you will always get the excellence mark. I hope that makes sense and frees you up a little bit. So excellence is a byproduct, not an aim. What you're doing as the leader of a church is aiming to make people faithful. If you try to make, aim them to make them excellent, they will feel under pressure. And once they feel under pressure, it becomes a job. And you no longer have people who feel called to help your church. You have volunteers who come only when they are on the roster and they feel they've done their bit. And next Sunday, they're not there because they're rather doing something else, taking a break from church. <clears throat> I just want to throw this out there. There's, 
an interesting thing developing in the world stage right now, and even this week, Peter was telling me that the Film and Publications Board in South Africa has snuck a law under the radar where they want everything that goes online, any video that goes online to be registered with them and classified before it can go online. I don't want you to panic because that thing is just a mess and no one really knows what it means, but they've pushed it through yesterday anyway. But I think that fostering creativity in your church will help us deal with some of the of the potential censorship issues that are rising in the world right now in terms of online. I'm just going to throw that out there for you to think about. All right, so last point, your your meetings are not productions or shows or experiences. They're about the people gathering together to worship, to have the gospel proclaimed, to love, and to grow. So I am really running behind, so I'm going to quickly go through the next thing. All right, don't worry about trends. Don't worry about fashions, okay? Once you have more creative people coming in your church, lean on them to, to worry someone, you know, if your style and your look is up to date with the way things are right now. Okay, but don't worry about it too, man, too much. I'm going to s- skip that. Oh, yeah, let me just say this one thing about social media and trends. It is always changing. You've got to be very loose with it. So you might have built yourself a Facebook following of 3,000 and feel very proud of that and find out that actually the only people that are hanging around there right now are not the people you want to reach. Don't think social media is a guarantee that you will reach young people if you use it. Oh, I'm going to reach the young people. I must use social media. Not necessarily. Every generation is always looking for authenticness. Every generation. If there's one thing you could always bet on, is if you're authentic, you're true to yourself, true to the call of God, people are actually attracted to that. But the minute you are obviously pretentious or trying too hard, people are not attracted to that. Okay. Final points, just on some practical things. Um... Think about copyrights. Please read the notes there in page 158 and 159 carefully before you plant to understand some of the copyright things you need to think about. Okay, you can't just use videos as you feel and put that up and think you're cool. All right, because there are some serious copyrights. And what you do if you don't think about copyrights is you actually delegitimize yourself with the artists in your church who are get a bit touchy if they see you just using art or material in any way you want. Okay, so think about that very carefully. Um, please read that on page 159. And on page one, and uh, there's also details there about having a CCLI and a CVLI license, which you need if you're going to display lyrics in your church. A CCLI license for the music and a CVLI license is for videos in your church. And they have a catalog of videos or movies that you can draw on. Now, I don't want to go into that too much. I want to talk about developing the arts in your church and the time that I have left. On page 160, there is a list of websites you can go to that can offer you tools, free tools that you can use. Photos, a whole lot of photos there. Or you don't have to worry about copyrights in these Videos, there's stock footage there, music and sound effects, vector graphics, graphic design apps, 
Canva.com is the best there to use, I would suggest. Um, there's three websites there where churches make media available to other churches to use, and then the media licenses. Right, so now what I want to jump to encouraging media and arts in a local church. If you could put that next to the slide up, that's like a painting. That over there is painted by a painter called Makota Fujimura. He is a Christian, American, Asian painter, very well respected in the artist world. And how he paints is he actually uses a a traditional uh, Japanese um, painting technique and mixes it with Western abstraction techniques. And he uses like real materials like gold. So you can see the gold coming down. That's actually real gold that he uses, platinum, malachite, um, a whole lot of natural minerals that he actually paints with. And this one is called In the Beginning. This is an interpretation of creation before God begins to form the world. A great example of an artist being faithful in the world because you'll find that artists and musicians and designers, writers, and all these guys can sometimes find it difficult to fit into a local church. They often think differently. They don't fit in very well. They're perhaps a little bit socially awkward to talk to some of the guys. They have to learn some skills in that, and you're there to help them with that, possibly. But they don't fit in everywhere because sometimes the church wants artists to conform to what they feel comfortable with. Right? What does the general church feel comfortable with? The artist type in all their strangeness has to conform to this. And they don't feel like they fit into that. It's coming against who they are, and so they struggle. For example, if a Christian wants to make music, he must have Christian, make Christian music, we say. Maybe we'll count the Jesuses in his lyrics, all right, or her lyrics. The nature of being a creative person is putting life's experiences into your work, and that work often becomes public. We had a painter once who painted the cross with Jesus and put his face on the face of Jesus. For him, he was, he was showing that Jesus died for him. He should have been on the cross. But boy, did some people think that was a bad idea. Right? Blasphemy. They didn't want to listen to what the artist was thinking. Right? But art is by its nature there to push the limits. God communicates to us first in the book of Genesis as an artist before he communicates to us as a teacher. He creates right? He is a creative God. We serve a creative God. The Spirit blows where it pleases, right? So if you read Genesis 2 verse 7, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and became a living creature, formed like pottery. God the artist forming this masterpiece, as Ephesians calls us, his handiwork, his masterpiece, Ephesians 2. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and to keep it, right, the issue of stewardship and cultivate the garden. Culture is where we get this culture from, right? Um, creativity is often how you're going to reach the next generation. 
right? We all get old, and our styles get a little bit old. If you can foster creativity in the artists in your church, you can bet that you'll be able to meet the next and the next and the next generation. You're not going to get stale, but that requires you to be a little bit open to some things that even you might not feel too comfortable with. Again, in Genesis 1, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the heavens and so on. And he calls all of this good. So when you go to Genesis 1, you can put together a doctrine of a vocation. It shows us like you have an invariant value in God's eyes. We're called to pioneer as God did because we are made in his image. We're called to bring order, create organization and take dominion of things and subduing the earth. We're called to sustain it, tend and keep the garden. We're called to be creative as God is and create beautiful things of a kind. Pioneering in our industry and line of work, breaking through barriers. We're called to expand our influence and we're called to team, Adam and Eve. You can see all this in Genesis 1. So what we see there is the way God creates is not just excellent but creative. It's aesthetically pleasing. Right? God creates it in an aesthetically pleasing way. So think about that. And the second thing is that media is about storytelling. This is my last sort of big concept to think about. The role of arts and creativity is to actually renew people's imagination and inspire them to worship and inspire them to think in kingdom ways. And how we often do that is we actually bring people into a story. We're all living out a story in our lives. And the world has its stories that it believes we need to buy into, right? Could be the story of politics or whatever. And that forms our worldviews and forms our decisions and our priorities. But what we do as the church is we keep trying to take people out of the world and we want to bring them into the story of the kingdom that revolves around Jesus Christ. This is what's really going on in the world, guys, the kingdom of God. Every time you come on a Sunday, every time you're involved with this community, you're almost taken out of that world and put back into this kingdom and reminds you and inspires you that this is what's actually going on. Right. Now, sometimes what we do as churches is we short-circuit this process, and we involve people in the story of me, right? Come and, and there's, there's a legitimacy to it. We want to encourage people, but the gospel is not about me. It's about Jesus. So we involve, we, we, every, all through our preaching, through our imagery, we communicate that it's all about you and your breakthrough and what it is that God's going to do in your life, which is cool, but it's not the big story, Right? Now, many of us, I think, we're kind of aware of that, and we, and we know this kind of... There's another one, which is far more subtle, and that is the story of us. Come and see how cool our church is. Come and see all the cool things we do. Come and even see all the cool churches we've planted. Come and see how amazing we are doing this kingdom thing. And what we're actually doing is we're involving people and putting them in the story of us. It needs to be the story of Jesus. And so it becomes all about our church and our community, and that actually eventually gets stale for a lot of people. Our God's called me on to another community when you know that he actually hasn't. That's a subtle one to be aware of. And then sometimes as leaders, we bring people into the story of our vision. It's always about our vision and how we think things should be, right? But the point of what we're supposed to be doing is bringing people into the story of Jesus. The early church knew this. This is even why they invented the calendar, 
right? You go through Advent and Christmas, Easter. I find it amazing that as Pentecostals, many Pentecostals don't celebrate Pentecost. It's like, is this the state and the calendar doesn't mean anything? But we believe in the pouring out of the Spirit. We don't celebrate the day when it's traditionally, and I mean traditional, I, don't know, I know we don't want to talk about that. But I'm not saying we have to follow a church calendar, but what I am saying is that the early church knew something about this and said if we get people into the daily rhythms of their lives, in, in today is this day. And so that reminds me, this is the story I'm involved in. Is that making sense, what I'm saying there? Right? That's one way in which the early church understood how to get people into the rhythms of God's kingdom and remind them and constantly draw them out of the world and uh, bring them back into his kingdom. So in get people, use your media to get people, your people, to get into the story of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church-centered values create institutional thinking and altar building. And you are eventually the church down the road that never changed, right? Institutional. Christ-centered values get you into the Spirit, and the Spirit moves. And you are dynamic and working with the Spirit in the next thing. My final points, as a lead elder, church planter, how to work with a media team. Number one, you'll see the slides come up. Keep them connected to the eldership team, the vision, and the prophetic season. Marcus here at Cornerstone is quite good with that. He would always bring the media team into eldership meetings. So even if there was nothing for us to do from that eldership meeting, we would understand something about where the church is going, what the values of the church are, what's important to him and the team. Number two, understand true creativity takes time. Give appropriate space. It might take you three seconds to look at a work, at a graphic, but the concept had to take possibly hours of conversation where the creative person, whoever you're doing to get your social media or whatever, had to take your sermon prep, the prophetic season, the theology of the church, the heart, the values, and try and condense this all into a single image. So please give them time to do that. Okay. Help them with deadlines. Your deadlines are not their deadlines. This goes both ways. Some creative guys need deadlines. They struggle to set their own. Some guys with experience know what a deadline is. But you perhaps have forgotten what a deadline is. And you arrive 10 minutes before your sermon with your 300 slideshow, right? And you want them to put this up. (laughs) Okay, please give them time to do it. Otherwise, it's either going to be sloppy or it's going to be a mess. And it is not their fault. It's yours. Okay. Can you just, are three words that don't use them. All right. I want to suggest to you, can you just work with the team? All right. Not can you just fix this, do this last minute. Everything must just work because I've arrived. Sorry if I'm getting a little bit. uh, Okay. But just remember, it's a team effort through and through. As a church planter, maybe get into the rhythm now where you have things prepared ahead of time so you can create buffer for everyone so that you're in the right habits as well. Okay, last two points. Understand who they are and their creative rhythms. Some guys get their best ideas late at night or at odd times. You know that you probably also get great ideas in the shower, and as far as you're concerned, that was good work done. Have the same grace to the other guys. If you're sitting around having coffee, sometimes he really is thinking about work, okay? 
a, guy, a creative person behind a computer all day working can sometimes be less effective because what you see as work is not necessarily what the work looks like. Understand that. If you want a sausage factory, you will get Poloni or Bologna, right? Creativity is not a sausage factory. There needs to be space to think and explore and understand and experiment. And all of that experimentation is part of the job, not just the output that you see and you judge maybe within five seconds. Okay. And help them also understand your creative rhythms. So you need some self-awareness now. You have your own rhythms. Be clear about these. Communicate them with your media team so that they need to learn how you work, you learn how they work, and you can, they can support you better if they know how you work, and of course, um, be more of a team together. I hope that's helpful. Thanks for joining us today. Remember to go to ncmi.net for more resources.